0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to season four, episode 12 of Euphoria. We are days away from the Athens semifinal and final. I'm Drake, this is Frost. When Um, do you fly? Thursday evening. Me and Ah. Quickshot have the same flight. We waited so long to book our flights that there was literally like one decent flight left. Are you with Betty and I? Maybe.
1: We're like at eight, I think.
0: We might also, no, we're like six or seven, I think.
1: Oh, okay. That's fine.
0: We have to fly out early. Normally, we fly in Friday morning, but it's like hard to find flights to Athens. Anyway, that's like basic cash for life stuff. Uh, This episode is all about questions from the public, from you, from the viewers. Um, We have a giant basket of questions. Um, But there are two topics, obviously, that have been asked about more than any others. And we're going to talk about one of them at the start of the show and one of them at the end. The first topic that we'll talk about now is G2 versus Fnatic. And at the end, we'll talk about Athens, some playoffs predictions, some world's predictions. And everything else is in this. This.
1: He's uh, currently putting his hand in a wooden bowl. Thank you bowl. for
0: podcast land. Wooden bowl. Here's and there yeah, we'll have some been... ASMR. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's the sound of questions that's in a bowl, nice. folks. I bet you didn't expect that one. On
1: and Then we, day. our lovely producer, individually cut up Instagram and Twitter questions. So we have your name. We have your face. We know what you asked. We
0: know what it's all about. And this guy got Lamar Burton as a face. All right, we'll see if we get your question later, sir. Uh, anyway, first up, G2 versus Fnatic. Now, Roscoe, there are two things I want to talk about here, and you can choose which order you want. I want to talk about a little bit of the G2 Fnatic rivalry and some of the very bad takes that both sides have uh, quite clearly. And there's also the most recent G2 versus Fnatic Bestify. Where do you want to start?
1: Uh, I want to start, I think, with the takes, or like fan perceptions. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. actually think that's almost far more interesting than yeah. the games.
0: The best of five was meh. It was good. It was really good. It was like an insane best of five, but also it was like, wow, G2 might lose. And then, I guess not. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty much the summary, right?
1: Um, From a broadcast perspective nothing could be better than a series going to all five games. I mean, I don't think it's any secret that the longer a broadcast goes, the more people that are likely to watch it when the stakes are that high. So anytime, um, like in in terms of what a broadcast wants, we want five games every single time. We want every game to go as long as possible and to be back and forth and be incredibly exciting, um, which that delivered on. Yeah. That said, what I don't want is the the salt mine back and forth.
0: So I have mixed feelings, right? Because on the one hand, I appreciate the salt mine. I find it funny. But when, like, it does get to a point where people are, like, actually tearing other people down. And, like, it clearly crosses a line, right? And I think that, like, a lot of the comments that I read are like, Jesus, like, people are really really upset and, like, being really, really mean and just vitriolic to other people. And I was like, god damn, like, I understand sports fandom. But maybe maybe it just, like, crosses the line for me because I'm a commentator. I'm just not allowed to be that level of super fan. But My mom
1: is a a shit talker, shit poster.
0: Does She, like, she just shit talks random people on
1: Twitter, right? Yeah, so my mom, the only interactions that she does on Twitter is she... (laughs) Hard flames. (laughs) She, like, messages me and then she, like, hard flames college football. Her team is the (laughs) University of Oregon Ducks. uh, And... Anytime anyone says anything bad about, like, a duck, like, she'll go to, like, the duck players and, like, randomly comment to these guys. Be like, you're such an upstanding young individual. I hope that you find, like, career success. I'm like, oh, that's wholesome. (laughs) But then she'll go to, like, I don't know, the beavers and just be like, you're a piece of shit and I hate you.
0: There's a ducks-beavers rivalry. The rival team. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Okay. So, your mom's one of those people. So, this is my favorite thing, right? Is the... And this is obviously the ones that bug me the most because people are like, wow, people are so biased for G2. The broadcast is so biased for G2. Like, they're not that insane. They're always cocky. They're cocky all the time. Like, here's the thing that Fnatic fans and everyone else needs to accept. G2 is the greatest European team. Sorry, the best European team of all time. Greatest has a different definition for me. But currently, they are the strongest European team ever. They won MSI. They beat SKT in a best of Of five. five. And people will try to discredit that by saying like, oh, but they beat Team Liquid in the finals. Who, who did Fnatic beat in the semifinals, Fnatic fans? Think about it. Like, you can discredit any way you want. Like, except for H2K's run, which we can all universally agree was pretty XD, okay? Except for that H2K run. We can agree that that was pretty bad. But
1: no, there's a. You actually bring up a really interesting topic, and it's the idea of um, getting, like, the narrative correct. I know that narrative is, like, a word that causes a lot of European Anger. fans to lose their mind. <laughs> But the reality is, is that uh, as commentators, yes, our job is to analyze the game. At least the color casters' job is to analyze the game. But personally, how I define shoutcasters is that we're storytellers first and foremost. Yep. We're supposed to make the game entertaining. Explain to you the uh, holistic like story narrative as well as the analytical narrative of what's happening in-game and to make you actually care. Because otherwise, yeah. there's no difference so, to watching a game versus watching here, high-low here, solo queue. Here's
0: an example. This is a no-narrative cast. Game five... G2 versus Fnatic. Reckless picks Tristana. We go, this is an odd choice. Doesn't make sense in the current meta. Uh, You know, three-item carry. Guess it can all-in early game. That's all we talk about. Instead of maybe talking about, I don't know, this is his signature pick. Every single late game in the history of, I don't know, ever... Reckless has shown up and carried on this champion. That sounds like something we should probably talk about. Like that seems significant to me. But of course that stuff can be disregarded and can also be overdone. It can be like, "Ooh, perks on traditional 80 carries. How is he going to do when he's like played a bunch of traditional 80 carries and some of us may have done that before, may have been overcritical of perks, right?" But like obviously it can be overdone, but it is a good thing and it makes the games more exciting and like the history and the context of any given game or play or player or org or rivalry makes a difference. It
1: also makes the rise and the victory that much sweeter. If you pretend that Fnatic and G2 um, are on equal footing right now, when Mm -hmm. Fnatic win, like maybe Fnatic fans are like, ah, we have been vindicated. We knew all along. Like, that's fine. But I personally think that it feels sweeter if Fnatic get to tear down quote, the best team that Europe has ever produced to rightfully take their place like that That's to me a is a much cooler narrative yeah. and i think probably more honest to fanatic themselves right now like everyone knows you talk to any team everyone is terrified of g2 fanatic were the only team that said maybe we can beat them. And they maybe almost did beat them. Yeah,
0: and that was sick. And, like, that is a big achievement because not only are Fnatic, like, not only have they risen through a lot, not only have they, like, had kind of an up and down year, I would say overall. This season, obviously, much better, but spring uh, a little bit rougher. And coming to and now challenging G2, being clearly top two, fighting and being head and shoulders above the rest, even if a behind G2, is cool. And that's significant. And that like i think you should take pride in that and yes you didn't quite finish the series but if Fnatic had 3 0 would there that would have been a big deal because G2 are so impossible to beat because G2 It's even G2 better are because so it is an upset. Yeah. And the thing is is that this is what i will say is there's obviously a lot of arguments about like scope and scale of achievements right so winning MSI is a big deal winning MSI by going through SKT 3-2 is a big deal Right, that's what makes G2's run matter to me not the 3-0 liquid final that said the most domestically dominant team is still 2015 Fnatic in terms of 18 0 split. You can't take that away from them. Outside of that, like they were pretty uncontested in best of five. OG did an okay job. That was one of the most hype finals of all time. Like that's the most domestically dominant. G2 has never been that clean domestically, even when they voiced themselves that they wanted, like, they're like, oh yeah, now we're chasing a perfect split. Like two weeks later, they're like, well, we did that thing where we throw a game and now we can't anymore, right? Like, so yeah, Fnatic can hold on to that 2015 domestic title, but most domestically dominant does not equate to one best because League of Legends gets harder every single year. Players get better every single year. And, uh, you know, that's just, like, something that people have to accept is that, like, that glory and that domestic dominance was great, but, like, G2 is the best team that Europe has ever produced. And is the first time that we can genuinely say, going into an international event, we'll talk about this more later, that Europe has a shot at winning worlds. Because last year... The fall of LCK surprised everyone. We thought Europe could get a semifinal. We thought if we were lucky, and we were, well, not lucky, but we were good, we could get a final, right? And we did, and that's great. But this is the first year where we can actually say, without laughing, without like, and, but, and, you know, that G2 can win the world championship. And that's that's huge, and that shouldn't take away from G2. That
1: bracket draw, though. <laughs>
0: it is pretty yikes, though, let's be honest. Like, the other thing that people quote is like, yeah, but what if G2, like, you know, troll around on stage? And it's like, well, that is a concern. Because they could go boom and we could have another G2 vacation meme on our hands. But the same is true of literally any team on world stage.
1: No, I just... Last thing I want to say and just underline, I hate when narratives get cheated. I hate when people would just say, "Ah, yes, SKT will win, or we must give SKT respect because they're SKT, because uh, that that cheats how powerful they were rather than talking about the reasons why they were strong. Yeah. I think the same thing happens to any dominant team or, and any team that's, like, chasing them. And it's happening to G2 right now. Why is it so important that we continue to talk about G2? Because they are incredible. When this team eventually doesn't exist, which I don't know what the scope of that is, or like the longevity... If you don't talk about it now, then you have missed a massive moment in history. You were literally watching League of Legends history be made. I have never seen a super scene like this. It's incredible. Yep. And to uh, preserve a fan base's feelings because they think that the broadcast is biased, nah. I'm results based right now. I see an MSI champion and I see the final game almost being ended in 18 minutes as soon as Twisted Fate was bad. I'm like, you're mm, probably pretty good. Probably
0: pretty good. Probably pretty All good. Right. <laughs> Here we go, folks. Now it is time for the bowl, infamous bowl of questions. These questions came in across Instagram and across Twitter. If we don't get your answer your question today, I apologize, but thank you so much for submitting them. There was a ton of questions. Uh, if you submitted a BS or troll question such as why am I banned? Whatever, whatever. We didn't there's answer There's a it. few. No, actually there's a few. Of them. I, put, I put a few of them in there. But, I'm just going to flame you because that's a stupid question. So maybe you get answered and you can be embarrassed.
1: When will Riot nerf Cled?
0: It's in the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mini, mini Bobber asks Dracos, I'm confused. Which lane do you main now? Um, mini Bobber. I mostly play bot lane. I gave up on playing solo queue. He's be-
1: using the word bot lane rather liberally. No,
0: I mean I mean not AD carry. I play bot lane. I play with Ender exclusively, and I mostly play solo queue for fun. We're high gold. We're probably not going to get plat, and I play exclusively BS picks. We play Pike Bard bot lane. I play Yasuo lanes. We play Poppy into Yumi. We'll probably play Pike Mord when we get a chance. I just play BS. I've given up on being a great League of Legends player, and I've decided the only way for me to have fun is to play off-meta stuff. Not the stupid, whatever that guy's name is, Timo off-meta support, though, where I'm hard-inting. I'm trying to win. I'm just trying to win with less than ideal picks. What role do you mean? You're still an eighty carry, right?
1: Uh... No, I, I switched to jungle because I go through those things where I'm like I can't carry from this position.
0: Oh, uh, you you're the mechanics are getting worse as you get older, but the brain stays good, so you're trying to play a big brain role. I feel that one.
1: I just want to hire someone's hands and I'll just sit behind <laughs> them and I'll just be like go there. That's do that, called boosting. Do this. <laughs> you, many people have brain? tried to
0: hire <laughs> hire the hands.
1: That's what we did in Oceania. Fish is like a really talented mechanical player. Absolutely just dumb. Just cannot just think. runs
0: it in. Just, just like I'm just gonna outplay this guy. And you're like, he's two levels above you. So
1: but we have track record perfectly. We got him all the way to master in OS, and I just sat behind him. I was like, do this camp now, gank top, now look at bot. Okay, go
0: <laughs> That's it. You can hire a frost to coach you in the off season. Extra income.
1: Okay, here we go. Fixed Blade at Fixed Blade. Will there be a chance to meet you in Athens to take a picture? Yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: There are questions also about League of Legends. We're is a mix of fun, off-topic questions. We've got two off-topic ones in one. But yeah, fan meets in Athens if you are there for with all talent, I want to say. I can't promise. There's like a festival
1: uh, or mini village festival thing at the plaza. There's like
0: a fan, yeah, big fan event. All right, serious League of Legends questions. <sighs> all right, it's the club question. I'm going to hold it. <laughs> We're going to get back. I swear to God, the bowl is full of real questions. <laughs> okay, there we go. We're going to do the Kled one in like two questions. Guy who's flaming Kled. Ask LEC, which international teams come closest to our top three in terms of play style In your opinion? This is from Noah Shar at Yolwe Way Lol.
1: So the question is the global teams, so LCK, LCS, and LPL, LMS to LEC. And LAC? he says in
0: terms of play style. <laughs> so are we looking for like, International comparisons to G2 slash Fnatic, I guess, would be the, the look there. Like, who do you think is, what teams would you equate the closest to G2 right now?
1: Unfortunately, I don't know enough about the LCK to speak about them. Mm-hmm. Um, the two regions that I watch exclusively are LEC and LPL. In terms of comparing G2's playstyle to an LPL team, ooh, thinking, 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 thinking. thinking.
0: You can also just talk about, like, because if there's no play style comparison, talk to me then about, like, who's G2's biggest competition. Who do you, th- like, actually see from the LPL being a...
1: Well, the two strong LPL teams right now are RNG and FPX. Um, and people will say we'll just assume because they'll look at a name like RNG and be like, ah, yeah, Uzi's team. Totally understand. It's not because of Uzi. It's nothing to do with Uzi. It's because of their new top laner. So the biggest problem that RNG has always faced, and it's partly why they completely collapsed at Worlds, is because it was a meta that relied on two solo laners. Xiao, who was underperforming, and then uh, Let Me was also massively underperforming and is a known tank player. Let Me has now retired, and they have a new guy. Um, formerly Shao Al from Suning. And Shao Al is kind of helmed, at least when I was in the LPL, is kind of the next coming up, go-going to think of him. He's a very versatile, incredibly strong um, top laner. And the LPL has the best top laners in the world. They are so good and it is so stacked. And this guy is very good. And that's why RNG are scary. Shao Hu is performing better. Raz seems to think much higher of him than I do. Xiaohu has had some pop-off games. I look at decision-making. Xiaohu sometimes doesn't press his buttons very well and definitely doesn't think about situations very well. And so I think he still can be exploited, especially in the caliber of international mid lane talent. But their top laner is really good. And then, yeah, Uzi.
0: I mean, yeah, FBX. All right, FBX RNG is interesting. And, and then I think it'll
1: probably be BLG.
0: BLG is good I mean also from an LCK perspective I think it's pretty easy for people to assume that like Griffin will be able to contest people although I really like am not impressed by Griffin even after against that best 5 against SCT like if they're just going to crumble anytime there's pressure Yikes! And SKT Vedius made a great meme about it, and you can go read that on Twitter because it's going to be quoted for the rest of the world. But it's exploitable mid game, yada yada. I yada. totally
1: see what he's saying though. We were watching the Danwon series, and they had a. I think it was the Tom Kench. Well, of course it was a Tom Kench game. That's every LCK game. But the thing is, Yikes. is how the LPL uses Tom Kench is they use him as a dive tool and threat to side lanes, and how the LCK seems to use Tom Kench is like, oh my god, an assassin, a Sejuani, We need some sort of disengage option, which I understand that. That's technically what Tom Kench can do, but it's very different mindsets. Yeah, it feels
0: like you can... Folks, let me just ask you this. Let's say you're queued up, and for the sake... We're just going to use a real example, but let's just use CSGO. You can buy body armor or a gun. (laughs) I mean, if your goal, in the case of CS, is to kill the opposing team, you can see how if you don't have a gun, buying body armor probably won't help you. And that's how I feel about Tom Kench as a pick. If you want to do nothing and survive... Woo, congrats! But doing nothing and surviving isn't generally how you win games League of Legends. So, I hate Tom Kench.
1: They just fumbled the lane assignments. They could have used Tom Kench to threaten into a side lane. They uh, A-ram back and forth in the mid lane. Nothing got done. And we're sitting there watching, like, isn't this Korea? Isn't this the, like, godsend of macro performance? Shouldn't they know things that we don't about how to move pieces around the map and unlock certain... And I was just like, no, they actually don't really know how to move the game forward. And I think that was... Kind of making SKT mortal to Vettius and I as we watched it, and I think that's where Vedus's tweet came from. It was we have them, we hold them to such high expectations, and it wasn't there. Still a good team, real good team.
0: Yeah, but not we'll see. unkillable. Could also ramp up. Could just be how they play in Korea. You never know because they did turn it on versus G2. It was a great best of five. Uh, Asher the great, Asher underscore the underscore great underscore uh, from Instagram asks: Certain members of Fnatic seem to tilt easily in a best of five. How do you think this will affect Worlds? Of course, Fnatic, not locked for Worlds yet, but looks pretty likely at this stage, short of Shalka winning the split. Um,
1: Do Fnatic have a reputation of being an emotional team? I
0: don't know. I mean, I think from an outside perspective, yes, but it's kind of always denied, right? Because obviously, like, the reckless crying on stage bit, the... Like you hear about the drama behind the scenes, but it's hard for me to know how much of that is like actually serious. Like they talked about like reckless punching Broxa or vice versa. I don't remember what the drama was in the offseason. I have no
1: idea what that was yeah,
0: like. But I don't know if any of that is based in reality or if someone's like, or if it's like just been telephoned so much that it's extreme. But what I will say, this is what I'll say, is that when you can look at that G two versus Fnatic series in one of two ways, which is that G two turned it on and became. All knowing, omnipotent, powerful G2, which is obviously hyperbole. Uh, Fanatic fans, they're not omnipotent. Um, or that Fnatic started to crumble because Nemesis, you can say it to the TF pick, or you can say maybe he started to struggle. Definitely, Hillisang was looking a little bit off there in those later games. So I'm wondering if there is an emotional aspect, but it's hard for me to say without knowing, without watching streams, without being there in the comms, if that's. Uh, emotional because that's the thing that you don't labeling a player as a tilter is a very big deal people obviously were like oh Jankos tilting narrative is so untrue like I for the record I still like hold on to Jankos not being fantastic in high pressure games back in the day now obviously he's doing great that dude is a rock um, but it's really dangerous to label a player or a team as like tilters because I think it takes a lot of agency away from them and it's also such a good like oh they just tilted that just fell apart and it just like kind of takes away from actually looking at what went wrong.
1: I think um, I'm aligned with you that I can't speak to Fnatic's uh, specific internal because I'm not there. But in having worked with teams who definitely did have uh, emotional problems or holes to them, I think that there's two things that happen in that type of series. One, losing that series in the way that Fnatic did. Your team has the veteran experience and the management is strong enough that you can go away. You can use it as a learning opportunity, um, perfect different types of strategies, and then hopefully have another run at G2 in a final where you're actually able to close out the series because of the intel that you gathered, because the drafts became quite clear what was prioritized, or two, you don't have... The management, you don't have the experience, and the next time that you face G two, you get 3 three'd because there's no coming back, and people do fall off the the face of the planet. I
0: mean, if you're gonna, if your team has the potential to mental boom after a series, that is a series for you, mental boom because the pressure on both of those orgs to perform in that series, those players. And the comments that come for, on behalf of the orgs, on like, Fnatic's not that great, or G2's not that great, like, I can only imagine, not having really dove into the post-game thread, the amount of, like, and the respective team discords, the amount of, like, shade that was thrown both ways, like, the amount of just awful things that were said. So, like, if you're the kind of person that's going to break, or the team's going to break, that would break you. And... Why I don't know how emotional Fnatic are, obviously they've garnered a reputation. There were struggles in the past. Is that still the case? I don't know. Um, that's never going to do you any favors on a big stage. Moment, being a momentum team is always hype and it can be a good thing, but it's never like, it's also always a bad thing. Right? Like, it can be a good thing when things are going great and you're like, yes, momentum, 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 momentum. But, like, that's always going to be a double edged sword. Like, there is always a negative side to that, too.
1: I think, from my perspective, um, the best thing that could have happened for Europe at Worlds would have been if Fnatic won that best of five mm. and then G2 came back. And I don't really care who wins past that. Like, if it's G2 that wins the split or Fnatic that wins the split, yeah. because the, I I think that confidence. Is probably much more important to a team that's been chasing second or, or chasing first for the entire split mm-hmm. than the team who has been on top of everything and needed to learn a hard lesson before international competition. Yep. I would rather G two have learned a lesson and actually lost a best of five before the most important stage, when they are currently the best chance that Europe have to win. And I would have preferred that the team who has been chasing being the best, got to taste that and had some of their confidence boosted back up going to Worlds. I think because it was a G2 victory in the way that it was, we'll see how Fnatic look against Schalke and we'll see if Fnatic can get back to the finals and take another run. Um, but my concern is is that you lose all of your confidence there. You have a mental block and we might not have a strong Fnatic that we really needed for Worlds mm. and now Europe's only sending one good team.
0: Agree. There are concerns about teams collapsing, especially with G2 dominating. I've seen
1: it happen at China all the time. yeah
0: oh, okay. All right. There's a lot of questions here. I'll Vasil Jordanov. Oh, no. Vasil Jordanov, too, on Twitter. Uh, apologies if I your name. When will at Riot Games finally nerf Cled? <laughs> Subtle. Got him. Don't know. Don't work for the balance team. Don't even know if Cléd is that OP. Azale's really good at him. You can maybe ask Azale. Azale might know if cled is actually broken or not. Can
1: we just be clear? We don't know. We don't know any of this stuff. We have completely different The only reason I usually jobs. answer these
0: questions, they're, they're not nerfing Cled because they enjoy watching you specifically, Vasil Jordanoff, suffer. They, they queue up. They watch. I don't know what your username is, but they just like right-click, spectate your games, and they just uh,
1: Over five games of They just laugh. Kled, oh, Get him on the he graph. He thinks we're
0: going to nerf. Here's another buff for Cled, Mr. Jordanoff. Uh, when will Medic cosplay Nurse Akali? It's in his name. FFS. For Frick's sake, for fiddlesticks' sake, false advertising. I don't know. He promised us that, and I think he has the pieces. We're waiting. All I, it was because he
1: couldn't fit into the costume. He got like the largest, I know this, he got the largest size, and he couldn't fit.
0: Ah. Couldn't fit in the co- Well, if there are any cosplayers out there that want to assist Medic in making his cosplay, let him know on Twitter.
1: The thing is, is like, that shit's expensive. And it's like... He
0: agreed on stream, if he got the subscribers, that he would do it.
1: I I understand, but you're making an agreement to something that can cost upwards of thousands of dollars.
0: I'm not saying it was a smart agreement. (laughs) I'm saying an agreement was made.
1: What's the last question?
0: Uh, Do you think the EU meta stacks versus the LPL and LCK well? Yes. No. No? Yeah. Why? Explain.
1: I was having this conversation with Ender about the priority of teleport as a Sunrise spell and how Europe, and how it changes how you get priority, pressure, and tempo. I know all of those buzzwords that people hate. Yep, yep, yep. Um... Europe uses teleport much more than the LPL does. Not that the LPL doesn't use it, but they will sometimes opt to go both combat summoners, and that just changes the fundamentals of the game. And if a team like G2, like let's say stylistically that they're the best chance that Europe has, runs into the LPL and they're uh, packing a bunch of TPs and the LPL decides to run all combat summoners in the bot lane that time around, uh, I don't know if G2 would be able to shift... Playing for priority pressure and tempo with their TP, rather than falling into what Grabs described as the caveman mode, where you just start fighting double combat summoners all the time.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like that's actually just a a take that I did not expect to hear. I think a lot of people will talk about like the the focus on flex picks, which I think have been nerfed pretty repeatedly. But what I will say is that like I think. That stylistically does not seem great, but the the depth of champion pool and the amount of players on G2 that can... that have The amount of overlapping champion pools for G2 seems like a strong suit, despite the fact that it's clearly been attacked and nerfed a lot of these flex picks. And, like, honestly, it seems like they're just trying to force champs out of the meta, like Akali just, like, losing her microstone on PBE is, like, is a big difference. Um, so I'm wondering, but even then, like, even after that skepticism, the things like the Akali being flexed to top, the Syndra coming in, um, and, like, we don't even know... The depth of what perks can play like if he's gonna like maybe he just plays eighty carries now maybe they'll like oh mages are like insane narrative is just like not non-existent uh and he's just not going to be playing mages ever or maybe like there's just so much more to be shown because we've also heard about Caps's like five picks that he's quote-unquote gonna play at worlds that he never brought out from both young buck and grabs
1: i also think it's changing the lens of um macro versus micro intelligence um there was a really interesting discussion that was happening on the analyst desk that I think got rounded out in PGL about when people see really bloody games, they assume it's lower level League of Legends, <laughs> uh, which was really uh, labeled on China for a very long time. But realistically, G2, it's we need to start celebrating a different type of intelligence and a different type of genius and having the... How people think about matchups, where the breakpoint in the matchup is, how the matchup should actually be played. Deficio said it on desk. G2 think about matchups differently than any other team in Europe. And so a different European team can think that this is how a matchup works and this is where it wins. And then G2 smash you with it and you don't even realize what's happening. And I know from scrims that that's what Chinese teams used to do to other international teams is that it was specifically a European team that told me this, but a European team would run a 2v2 into a Chinese bot lane Mm -hmm. and lose both sides of it and then lose all confidence. like, I have no idea how this works. Clearly, I was wrong about everything, and I'm having a midlife crisis right now on, like, the biggest uh, stage in tournament. And I think that's also kind of one of the the big breakpoints. In a meta that is so matchup-focused because there's so much early gold and so many resources packed into early game where lane phase is so important, if you can't figure out where these matchup breakpoints are and if you play everything standard and then you're just the better player, whatever, but if you have the creativity to think about it differently, to unlock a different um, outcome via a combat summoner or a back or a special item timing, like... That will be the make or break, and it's so small, and you can't see it like you can a big macro movement on a map, but these things matter, and that's why G2 are so incredible. It's also why Invictus Gaming were so incredible. It's those types of decision-making that are mm. much harder to see and measure that make these teams into MSI and world champions. Concerning, though.
0: Yes. I'm worried about the uh, our match for CLPL. <laughs> LCK seems to be fine, given that their early games are slow in a world where you're literally paid to play aggressively in the early game. Cough, cough, tower plates. I think everything is going to be fine on that front. All Get in right. that bowl. Another Instagram, what it looks like. <laughs> uh, Chibi Action Hero asked two questions, I think. Uh, for Dracos, if you were to cast for a different eSport, what would you pick? Um, CSGO? Yeah, 100%. CS- CSGO is lit. I love CSGO. Uh, watching it as a spectator. Obviously, I love League. Like League is definitely my number one, but... CS is like a really cool esport and is very different from League of Legends in terms of like cadence and pacing and also has just like a really long rich history to pull from. Do I think I could cast CSGO? Hell no, there's so much history there. Like, absolutely not. Would I love to do it? Yes.
1: Every caster approaches CSGO. It's like, I'm going to learn CSGO because I. And then they get into like, it's too far. Like, we're we're too it. I played my first
0: competitive game with Ender last night and we won. And by that, I mean, I fed relentlessly and Ender killed people. It was great. That was cute. All right. Let's see if we can get.
1: Wait, just pull one. I'm just
0: I'm spinning up the bowl.
1: I picked that one.
0: You did. Uh, I'm just gonna read your at because you put your Twitch TV link in your name, and I feel like this isn't at Wax's dad. Wax dad. When Phil puts the image there, you can go to that Twitch TV link if you want. Hashtag ask LEC, Do you think the G2's greatest strength, flexibility, is also their largest weakness? It would seem to me, at least, that G2 often picks bad matchups on
1: purpose. So. I picked this one because I thought that's an interesting hot take because no analyst would ever agree with that. Really? Uh, yeah, G2 almost never pick bad matchups. They almost exclusively pick a- winning matchups. That's why they flex everything around so they make sure that they get winning or decent matchups.
0: What about the um, Mordekaiser Yumi? Uh, Well, I don't... Devil's advocate.
1: Right? <laughs> Again, the idea was is that it's a direct counter, but the problem was is that they fell so far behind because of the initial TP. Because the win condition on that is that Pike needs to be able to kill Yumi for the duration that Garen is in there with Mordekaiser.
0: Also, Mordekaiser should be able to one v one Garen theoretically.
1: But they threw it away, so I don't think that's actually how that works. I'm curious if G2 will ever try to use it again. But Perk said it on PGL. I will echo the sentiment here. If he hadn't made that atrocious TP at level five, I'm pretty sure that lane would have and gone different. And
0: missed all his skills. That's the important. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Luca. What's up? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't know. I to me, it feels like everything that G two does is about and the flexibility of their draft and their biggest strength is like deliberately counterpicking for lanes and using lane priority to take control of the map early game or mid game, whenever. And I think that that's kind of their thing. So bull strategy. If you want to follow up and like the DMs or whatever and say like this is where I think it's a bad example, maybe we can talk about it more. But, but if like, you
1: only find one example, then that's not. That's, that's not a hypothesis. That's that's a random occurrence.
0: This is the one that fell out. SO4. Maybe you should be grabbing. We should trade back and forth on this grabbing thing. SO4 Zeniak's line. Why don't you just call Shulka fan? Gabriel Shalka fan by Zeniak's. Zynax. I don't know, dude. You let me know how to pronounce that. Who is the best rookie from this season until now? Not just regular season. I think is the important thing there. Who is the best performing rookie of the split?
1: Best performing rookie?
0: Not remember rookie. Of the split is a regular season award, but we will be talking about the whole season, including the playoffs. Who's been the best rookie?
1: Hmm.
0: Who are your candidates? Larson season.
1: and humanoid.
0: Larson, humanoid. Didn't humanoid play last split? Isn't he no longer technically? A, not a oh, rookie? Yeah.
1: only rookie for the split, not yeah. rookie for the or year. Is
0: just, maybe he means for the year. Because otherwise, In this season. is like literally
1: misfits and rogue. Just a year. Just yeah. a year. Why not? Um, I've been most impressed with Larson and Humanoid to a lesser extent. The reason why I bring him up is I think there's a lot of hype surrounding Humanoid, and I think rightfully there should be. Humanoid is a very exciting player, and I cannot wait to see what he matures into. But it's very clear to me um, in some of his decision making that there's a lot of experience to be gained, um, and you haven't seen Humanoid's That's so ceiling. Awesome. Because the thing is, is he he can acquire a lot of leads, and maybe it splices inability to maximize the the individual leads that he acquires to turn them into team leads, or he himself doesn't have the experience to make the correct decision making on how to impact the entire map. Um, but humanoid isn't there yet. Whereas I think Larson has completely the inverse uh, play style. Mm. He is really good at reading the map and finding leads for his team. But that means that he goes under the radar and he's not as celebrated as someone like Humanoid because he's not acquiring those flashy individual leads. So I personally prefer Larson's play style, but I do know that the conversation mostly centers on Humanoid, um, rightfully so. Don't want to like, I hate when people are like, oh, Larson better than Humanoid, so I must shit all over Humanoid and put him down. No, 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 they're just that's different. That's not how you
0: make an argument, by the way. If you won't believe That's how Reddit makes an That's <laughs> Sure, social media, like you don't, if you want to advocate for someone, tell me what they do well. Don't, like, trash their competition, right? Like- so,
1: yeah, I think Larson, um, super stable in lane, despite his lack of experience, is really able to uh, acquire leads for his team because of how he gains priority and recognizes state of the map well. He almost never gets caught out or punished by better midlaners than him. Um, and he can... Uh, climb to the occasion and pop off and get some solo cues.
0: Up up until um, both the Splice and the Shalka series I probably would have been on the humanoid train but now I am on the Larson train and like package into the fountain aside because that was obviously catastrophic. If
1: that's what defines his career people have a very short memory.
0: It was really funny though so like <laughs> definitely hold on to it for a few months because that was hilarious, um, but also very sad. Um, but like the place he really showed up and he was good and he proved that he could carry a game because during the regular season, you're right, he was this rock, he was so stable, he was doing great things, but I was also like, carry a game, like pop off, like kill your lane opponent, like win your team the game. like. Your 15 CS lead isn't making Rogue a top-tier team. But it did really matter in playoffs where he was showing up. He was making clutch decisions. He was everywhere that he needed to be. So, like, up until playoffs, wasn't the biggest believer in Larson. Don't think he got rookie of the split in our regular season. Actually, I might have voted for him because the options weren't. It was either him or Inspired, pretty much, were the only two contestants. I might have voted for him. But wasn't in, like, my top mid laner standings. And now after playoffs, I think he, I can perceive him to be one of the top mid laners and I think definitely the strongest rookie this year. Grab it.
1: Okay, Triple A Walk. At Triple A Walk. Uh, during LCS press conference, Reapert and Kane said that they go to Europe for world preparation. Meanwhile, Korean and Chinese teams seem to stay in Asia. Why do you, what do you think of potentially not having all teams from the four major regions preparing in the same region? Let me tell you from some experience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this a little bit last week, but you just tell them the story.
1: You can- okay, so China only exclusively scrammed China for a portion of the 2015 um, preparation into Worlds, which is why they had such a inbred meta. Remember when
0: Skarner was really bad, but Clearlove was playing Skarner?
1: And Kakao was playing Skarner? And you don't have to just take my word for this. They said this in interviews. Um, Invictus Gaming famously talked about how they lost the first half of groups and then they won the the second half of groups in 2015, talking about how they came in, um, tried to play uh, like Korean teams, then decided that they should just play how they were playing before, got better scrims, and then popped off. So... Don't only scrim a select few teams. It gives you really bizarre champion priority in meta that the yeah. tournament meta isn't using. Yeah, we
0: call it inbreeding a meta. Uh, it's one of my favorite phenomenons where you like come into groups the first week and like someone's convinced this pick is really good and they just get dumpstered, but they keep it for like a, the entire first week of groups and it's just clearly awful. It's really funny. Keep an eye out for it. But and it's I,
1: really. I do want to say it's really hard to kind of pull the plug on that when. Uh, because it's super obvious for fans it feels like cuz draft is like one of yeah. the easiest things to grab hold of and if a draft wins people will ignore it and if a draft loses clearly it's like oh that was a garbage draft what are you doing reaper i don't know <laughs> sorry reaper you always get like the shit for that <laughs> he does it feels like every time cloud nine draft i don't know why cloud Can't nine worry, fans. Sneaky. it's too nice but the thing is is that if a team has only practiced, like, a certain number of compositions and styles, you would rather play what you're comfortable with than being like, maybe this pick isn't working out. Because players can always justify, oh, you know, it was this little thing that didn't work, and we can make this work. Because Mm -hmm. you're having, obviously, you're you're probably having success in scrims. Yeah.
0: My concern, actually, this is a very legitimate concern um, from talking to the teams about the scrims, because I do think that scrimming the LPL specifically is really important for Europe, and I think that scrimming the LCS is also low-value... And I won't say harmful, but I'm concerned that it will not be a big benefit. If G2 are already struggling to get good practice in Europe with European teams, European teams that, in my eyes, would smash most of the LCS teams, why would scrimming LCS teams be the right choice for them? Like, I really think that for for Fnatic and for G2 and potentially for the third seed, like, it is in Europe. Jet lag is a big concern. You want to be comfortable. You want to be on the right time zone. But also, I'd be like, hey, which LPL team can we, like, fly out on short notice to, like, we're Amsterdam, Amsterdam are adjacent to the servers so they can just like hard scrim with us and play with us. Because I am, I'm, this is actually a leg- very legitimate concern that I have that like, while I respect G2 as a team immensely and I respect their intelligence, I also think that like, getting a wrong read on the meta sets you back so far. And it's much less likely to happen to a team like G2 than it, now, than it would have happened to like the Sven Mithy G2 where they like misread the meta and then they're out of groups. They're like hard inting it, right? But still, it can definitely happen and like, I don't want to see them be O three. 3 Coming into the first week or coming out of the like first week, like when EDG
1: let through Mordekaiser and Darius.
0: Yeah, like yeah, because that 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 will happen. Like there will be a bad read, and I think while G two are clearly a team that are willing to adjust, like you said, there's only so much practice, and also while they're not as prideful as previous eras of G two, I still think that they're the kind of team that are like, ah, oh, yeah, we we could we could have done this. We could that exact example you're talking about. We could have made it better. So I am worried. Very good question. I am concerned for for Europe.
1: Too much to say at J. Bergerson ninety four. Why can't the EU fiesta with the best of us in the LCS? Why can't the EU fiesta? Oh, I get it. Why can't uh, the EU yeah. fiesta? The best part is with the best of us. This in LCS. guy, shout
0: out to you by the way, because he's responded. You're know, in a comment. You're like, please. Crazy fanboys. I'm just trying to meme. Like, stay out of here. if you're like, you're like BS. Like, this is this is why this question got added to the list because I really love that. Um, so there's this thing that EU can't get rid of, and they they focus on a little bit too much, and it's called side lanes. <laughs> and the fact that they feel the need to go there all the time is actually what holds them back. And so this is why I respect the LCS is that they're committed to the fiesta. You know they are all in on the party. They're playing beer pong. They're doing shots. Like, they live for the fiesta. And the fiesta only happens if everyone goes to that one lane. Because, like, two people hanging out in mid lane, that's not a fiesta. That's, like, two people chilling, right? That's like, like a coffee date. That's like a coffee date. Like, that's, that's way too intimate to be a
1: fiesta.
0: But, like, you need all five people in and around Which is one I, place for I, it to be a fiesta. I
1: think secretly the LCS is the, like, um, Achilles heel to China because the LCS like will go for the Fiesta and China doesn't know that they shouldn't they're like we got an invite to a party we never get invited to parties let's <laughs> party with these guys <laughs> and then they just keep running out okay, haven't
0: you seen the movies they're from California they must know how to party let's go like it's double <laughs> if he's gonna know how to party it's like no guys
1: the LPL team show up and they're like, get me on top of the keg.
0: <laughs> no, don't do it, Uzi. there every time. Loves a keg stand. That's a joke, please. <laughs> don't flame me for our alcohol references.
1: Okay. Uh, Avi, Ovi at Vladorian. Do you think the West will outperform the East at this... This year at Worlds. Also, what are your favorite games to cast the split and why? So let's start with the first one. Do you think the East will outperform? So
0: we did it last year. The West, by the way, outperformed the East because the LCK collapsed. Woo, woo, So we got just the West got more teams in. No. Um, I think the LCK is a little bit better than they were. I think LCS relatively. Oh, no. But- Cloud9 can still, like, make a miracle run. But, like, I don't bet on that ahead of time. And I never will. Um-
1: the fresh meme is, like... Europe shows up and is oh will the West out perform? We gotta drag LCS and then LPL shows up and like oh but will the East perform? We gotta, we gotta drag, drag LCK. LCK.
0: Yeah, so there's clearly there's like there's like we got the powerhouses and the LPL and and the uh, LEC and someone this is gonna get clipped out after both of our regions just int it and then it's like an oh, NA versus be Korea so final. Good. Oh my god, it'd be so embarrassing. And then yeah, then you got the the dead weight, the proverbial ball and chain of LCS and LCK.
1: I also want everyone to know that when. Our teams lose. We don't go backstage and cry about it like a lot of fans seem to tell me that I do whenever China falls out. We actually just laugh.
0: Yeah, because either, they, either they're either they legitimately beaten and we're like, wow. Like, they're not as good as we thought they were. This other team is sick. Or they, like, do really dumb stuff and you're like, oh, my God, they absolutely deserve to lose that. Or even better, they win when they do dumb stuff and you're like, <laughs>
1: I was in the caster room uh, watching Evictus Gaming versus TL when it went to that famous Tom Kench game. And as Balan locked in Tom Kench, I looked everyone in the yeah, eye. Yeah, she's like,
0: they're going to lose. If Balan locks in Tom <laughs> Kench, you said it before the Tom Kench came And you're like, if they lock in Tom Kench, this series is over.
1: <laughs> Get ready to see the worst Tom Kench in the world. <laughs> Ooh.
0: it's really XD that Balan got a skin by the way <laughs> shout out to you Balan you're a great dude <laughs> you're, you're a real
1: <laughs> you're hero you're making Megan. the dream
0: alive man
1: also what were your favorite games to cast as split and why I've never gotten to cast Fnatic versus G2 oh yeah
0: yeah. you'll get your chance which is
1: why I'm really hoping and that the they make the final yeah
0: we'll see we'll talk about that more watch in. this be
1: a Shaka G2 and I'm like right. I never get to
0: cast Fn- Fnatic fans are gonna be so mad I'd be, I'd be upset for the sake of Fnatic I mean it'd be cool to see Shaka rise like that but oh. I don't know Favorite games. What was the most Fiesta game that I had this season? What's the one where upset base race? Did I even cast that one? That's the issues. I've been casting for so long. It's actually really hard for me to remember specific games.
1: Anymore. I really enjoyed casting that Rogue versus Fnatic game with Whippo, Rengar versus Woolite Sivir.
0: <gasps> oh yeah, we got flame so much for that because we. fire because I may have made a Woolite positioning meme, which as Rogue pointed out is All a thing that say, only happened one time.
1: And this is no flame on Woolite. Don't mean him any disservice, but. Fans coming out pretty hot and heavy when we make the Woolite positioning meme. Suddenly, they're not around anymore. They, they
0: did disappear when people started hmm. flaming Woolite after that Rogue performance. And I gotta say, Woolite fans, if you're out there, like support him rain or shine. Yes. Don't just like show up what when it's convenient Woolite to flame us. What is
1: Woolite bandwagon? There you go. So strange.
0: Anyway, yeah, uh, that that game was awesome. Good job to Rogue. And
1: that was hilarious. I love that game.
0: Yeah, Whippo ring top. When he <laughs> almost locked it in the Fnatic G2 series, I was like. Are you kidding?
1: Me? He turned around. He could have walked it out. No, he was no. like, you know, what? it's not a good pick. You know what went through his mind? He was like, "Woolite positioning. I can get this guy. Yeah, this
0: is my time to shine. It's my re- time. Revenge. Oh, all right.
1: Put him in the dumpster, Woolite. Get him, Woolite.
0: Um, Carl Arcad Arcad Arcad." at Arcad Carl.
1: How about is Fnatic's
0: mental after losing Best 5 versus G2? Do you think the Fnatic can bounce back and take down G2 in finals? We kind of already hit on this, so just to like, quick TLDR again, like,
1: I'm going to assume veteran If the org. mental
0: is broken, is broken, and they're done. If not, they're probably fine. But G2 also looking much scarier, so I don't even know if Fnatic's mental is going to matter because now G2 are like, it's time to stop playing WoW, boys. And that's like, <laughs> no know. more
1: vanilla for you. Ugh. Okay, here we go. Um, Lightning round. Mikkel Gryak? At... Mikhail Gryak V2. How much time and and people does it take to prepare broadcasts to the point that we see every Friday and Saturday? Also, who is your favorite person in the LEC that we don't see on stage? Uh, Do you like behind the scenes? I like Phil.
0: Phil's great. Phil's our producer for Euphoria. He actually produces a lot of stuff, uh, including uh, He's done some a new special video that may or may not feature MediVedi coming out in the near future. He's done some cash ads. He's done a lot of cool stuff. Um, working with Phil's really dope. Well, we work with a huge team. There's, like, graphics. There's writers. There's producers. Uh, there's obviously caches which you know about. The story meeting every week, which re- includes all those people. Uh, from there, you make your graphics and your, your replay requests. People put those together. You make all the segments that you see. And then after we're all prepped, it all kind of comes together on air. Um,
1: it well, takes all week for It takes time. all
0: week, yeah. Uh, we have to have our graphics submitted by end of day Wednesday or we get flamed because people need to make those things. So, yeah, I'd, it's a pretty pretty big team. It's a pretty big process. On top of that, that's all the behind-the-scenes production people. Um, in, like, the pre-production process, there's also all the camera operators on the day, the directors, the ADs. Um, it's just a ton of people are involved. It's a week-long process. It's
1: Catering? Catering. Love catering.
0: Catering is great. Gotta love catering. There was
1: schnitzel day last week. Mm. Schnitzel
0: day is good. Um, shout out to the stage managers who bring us like coffee and tea. That's like super dope. That's a that's I've something never... you do not get when you were starting out. They're like, yeah, you got like two minutes to pee and eat and uh, get some food for yourself or get some tea for yourself, and you're like, ah! amateur casting stuff. Cool. Yeah.
1: Okay. Lightning round. Ted Hannigan at Ted J H One. What champions would you like to see more of in pro play? And which would you like to see less of? I
0: hate wave clear champs. I find them incredibly boring. Victor, Azir, Corki, all lame. I get the benefit that they add. I understand why they're good in pro play. I want to see more high maneuverability outplay kind of champions. The issue is for like the talents in the zeds of the world is they get three kills and then they just like kill people in one shot and it's really boring. But if there was like a champion that still needed to make crazy cool outplays consistently and didn't just hilariously snowball out of control, that's my dream champion. I don't know what that is.
1: I really hate Tom Kench, and I really want to see more Jinx, which these things, counterintuitive to each other.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you really want the Kench and the Jinx. <laughs> All right.
1: Okay. Um, Nathan at, oh, sh- oh Athelapius. What would you like to take from other esports production to add to the LEC? Well, that's cool.
0: Um, so, yeah, obviously watching the major, talking a lot about CS today. Um, their command center is very similar to our ProView, but they do have, like, uh, this map feature that's just universal where you can, like, click it and it full screens the map. And I know a lot of that is just, like, the difference in CS client versus the law client, but I would love to see more of those kind of baseline options for a viewer. I'd also love...
1: I want, like, a traditional MBA, like, conference...
0: Yeah, yeah. At the end of at the end of games. Like I yeah. really want to like get more press involved, I think. I think we have some like really good journalists, but there's just not I think I wish there were more. Part of that is it's like cross language stuff too, so it's not all gonna be English that I can understand. And right? it's
1: unfortunate because the broadcast really doesn't have a lot of power over that. Like we could set up uh like a press like the LPL does it where you can yeah. set it up, but ultimately it's not worth anyone's time because if the journalism quality and the questions aren't great, then there's no point yeah. in broadcasting it. So it's kind of like a two prong issue where I mean, our broadcast has the capability that you could do that. We've got enough cameras, but yeah. what would actually be the value? Would the teams Ooh, actually want to do team it?
0: Team comms. I would love to be able oh. to show you guys team comms. They do that in cod league, I think. Um, so
1: good in cricket. Where you can
0: listen into team comms, and you can listen in cricket too. Apparently, I don't watch cricket, so I didn't know that. You but could um, talk
1: to them. The announcers oh. will like. Pinged okay. The de- well, we're,
0: I'm not gonna talk to them, that's like crossing well, How the good line. would
1: that be if you if there's like you're a you're like, hey, time. Yankos, uh, so are, caps, how the, that- the baron's <laughs> getting
0: lower here. Are you thinking about going in, or maybe it's not? Uh, do you want to consider going into smite? How are you gonna know it's blind? How are you feeling about the, the pressure right now? I just like, think
1: <laughs> pre, like, if there's like a window that players know that they can be pinged into, and it's like you see a solo kill, like perk or caps just solo kill perks, I mean, you're, you're like, pinging, hey, uh, like, uh, Perks what went
0: wrong there? Uh, talk to me about what happened. Like, oh, I'm just really bad, you know, just missing my skill shots like, that's what I thought. Well, perks really bad today for us. <laughs> yeah, what that's what we you.
1: saw up here as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would be hype. Um I don't know. I think it's hard actually. I think that like making the in-game ex- enhancing the in-game experience is difficult because it's like what else can you add realistically? And if you have ideas, actually send them to us because I think we're always looking for more. Oh, and, I love that shit. And then like analyst segments, very easy to just copy a lot from traditional sports or other esports.
1: Okay. at uh, CX Blake uh Blake Armstrong. What would you be? doing if you weren't caster slash analyst i'm not an analyst i'm just a color caster very specific not an analyst i used to work as an analyst and a coach i'm very like i feel like we really need to put out the vocabulary there that shout caster and color caster is very different than analyst i analyze games yeah but i do not have the same job as an analyst yeah
0: because if you're an analyst literally everything is bad that's like your life your life is to (laughs) find why everything is bad and make it the best that it can be whereas if you're a color caster your job is to like Find a balance between good and bad and tell the most honest truth that you can because your job is not to tell everyone that everything's bad all the time. I'm
1: not there to teach teams or to, like, help guide them or direct them. I'm here to observe what they're doing and have an opinion on it.
0: Yep. And there then have
1: education to back up the opinion.
0: So what would I do? Um, obviously, the rap stuff is fun. But um, realistically, if I hadn't started shoutcasting, I'd still be a, working as a barista, a Portland barista. Yes, I am a stereotype. Um, I've embraced it. <laughs> I actually love making coffee and I loved that job because you like showed Never up you worked make me coffee and you went huh. well we don't have a steam wand or a proper espresso if I setup. got
1: you this would you yes
0: in a heartbeat it's literally my dream I think about it. I think about trying to tell the people in our office every day that I will make coffee for the entire office. I,
1: I have a new pitch for Euphoria because I think we got like the coffee thing like down. I vibe just make down. people coffee. Yes, and it's basically like hot it's ones, t- except it's like Portland barista Draco's making coffee for and the I'll pros pop that come. off. Anyone
0: wants to latte art battle me? Yes, that is the most pretentious hipster thing you can possibly say, but I said it. I will go. Anyway, I really love making coffee. I like having it was a very nice balance of being like chill job, tips for a lot of my income. But I, I went, I worked, I went home, and I didn't have to think about work any more than that. And that's kind of the nice thing. And I made enough money to survive and be happy. And now it's easier for me to say in hindsight, like that, that was that, that was great. At the time I was like, God, please let me into esports. But yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that again for I think a little the
1: while. Greatest job other than this one that I've ever had was painting houses. And it was just like I hated that. I had to do that oh, one summer with that. my uncle.
0: I hated that. Well,
1: we were like a college, and so you just go and you bid and you're like these college kids in their truck with paint covered on it rock up to a house. I'm like, hey, we can paint your house for like, I don't know, $300. And the thing was, is that because it's like bid and it's not paid hourly, how quickly you did it, obviously to an acceptable standard, yep. made how much money you made in an hour. And we got really good. We'd show up in our swimsuits and we would just chip. And then someone's behind them priming the house. And then someone's behind them painting it. We're going up and down the ladders. No safety. No regard for our well-being or lives. I fell off three houses.
0: Right in your grave, OSHA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, Eddie. Maya, is any wildcard region that can best West and East? Well, the LMS still exists.
0: Yeah, the LMS <laughs> is looking pretty rough. Turkey, as always, is looking pretty good. The LCL remains uh, a wildcard. Um, Vietnam is obviously insane. And I think I don't think we can actually call them wild card region anymore. Given they the, are
1: not. They are the VCS, and they will mess, mess you, you up. up. So
0: if you count the VCS as wild card still, which I don't think you should, given the slots that they've been allotted, or if you're not going to count them, definitely don't count the LMS either. Don't count them out. Um, don't count them out. And I think that those are the regions that you have to look at. I think everyone else is still struggling. I'm sad at the slow but steady decline of CB Law. I'm optimistic about Latin America, but um, yeah, honestly, like. Right now, you pretty much just look at Turkey and uh, the VCS.
1: Durasina C, how do you get into casting? Can you give some advice to become a caster too?
0: Um, do it is do the it. advice that I would give people. People like always are like, oh, what can I do? How can I focus? Like, Just cast. Just like find a VOD and cast. There's a lot of things in life that are very difficult. The barrier to entry is very high. Uh, if you have Instagram and you have a phone or if you have a computer at home and you're playing League on it, you technically have the entire setup that you need to start recording VODs. Um, you can record them yourself by casting a robot with like OBS. If your computer can't do that, you can just practice and then try to find opportunities elsewhere. Um, and the only other advice I say is that being a professional, showing up on time to any commitments that you have in esports is really big because there's a lot of people, especially lower down in the grassroots scenes, that are kind of like, just don't respond to emails very timely and don't show up when they're supposed to show up and don't take things very
1: seriously. Esports has a bar because the age demographic is so young. Um, and this is a lot. Are true for a lot of the tech sector where you have people who didn't hold uh, traditional blue collar jobs and so when they have to rise up to professionalism the standard is inherently lower than if you worked a traditional white collar job and you have to like tone your language down to fit in that tech yeah. we call it bro culture but like that idea of being more More laid back, more casual, it's easier. But then when shit hits the fan or you need to show up to get a job opportunity, you can't rock in there with the same casual conversation. You need to dress it up. And I see this problem all the time in esports. Shit hangs around. If you're an asshole on Twitter, like it's too small a scene and it's not worth it. Don't burn your bridges. Don't be a dick. Don't Don't be an asshole. It's not worth it because if you apply two years later... I guarantee you we've heard, heard this conversation multiple times. Oh, you mean X person? Well, look what they said. Boom. And then it's like. I yeah. don't know. You never. No, nah, that kills your career.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, people hold people. Small scene. So people know people. Uh, so be good to people. Don't burn bridges. Be a professional.
1: Always um, be professional. Of any. If sorts. you're going to
0: flame people, flame them in your own time with your own friends in a way that's not going to get back to them. I understand. Esports is infinitely frustrating. There are people that are going to drive you nuts and probably deserve to be flamed, but just keep it to yourself. It doesn't help your career.
1: Hot takes on Twitter. Ruin careers. Bjergsen or Caps by Tuan Hai? Caps. Caps.
0: Bjergsen and domestic achievements, obviously untouched. International achievements, ha! Nice.
1: Okay. Foldy by ASDASD73514502. The question might be general for a player or a coach, but I think many of us want to hear the caster's opinion, too, about the game from the perspective of casting. Are the games fun to cast nowadays? Which meta it was the most boring and the most amusing so, for casters? Okay,
0: one thing. Really good question. That was You have a Twitter, the new equivalent <laughs> of a Twitter egg, and, like, the most... So if you made this Twitter account to ask this question, shout out to you. And if not, like, get an anime avatar at least. Come on, my dude. And, like, change your name. Because, like, this is a great question. Thank you for asking this. It's just, like... I by default would scroll past this question. That is the most Russian because, bot
1: name I've ever seen. Yeah, because this
0: is like, this straight up like, if if your next follow up to this is not like some spam porn link, I'm like I'm like very surprised. So awesome question, thank you for asking. Get an anime avatar, join the rest of us, and uh, yeah, just update your name, Vensel, because this is a super good question. Um, I like this meta. I think the flex meta where G two were most prevalent in MSI was more fun because there's a lot more insanity. I think Quirky Nazir was kind of boring, but the worst meta that I have ever cast was the 40- to 50-minute team fight meta, um, which was 2018 spring, I want to say, or was it 2017 spring? Also
1: 2014.
0: Also 2014, um, which I wasn't casting a ton back then. I was casting collegiate, so that was pretty just much like... That was what you call a... That was some, uh, that was like, a, you cast in the zoo. There were just people fighting all, all the time. It was a bloodbath. There wasn't, the meta didn't really matter. It was all what you could play. you show
1: up to like the jaguar cage and you're like, in next game, we're going to go see the monkeys. And then after that, we're going to go see the elephants. Oh yeah, are like, we're like
0: casting 10 games a day. And it's just like, Lord, get me through this. You're This like, is you're on your the penguin game. <laughs> um, the hands down worst though was the vitality before this current vitality. The nuke duck, I think, steelback. Maybe Joko era Vitality, twenty seven. I want to say twenty seventeen spring was hands down the worst team to cast in the history because they were just good enough at League of Legends to not lose, but they were not good enough to win. So that was infamously it was Vitality versus Misfits, where we had a twenty eight minute first blood, and to this day it was the hardest. Cast of my life. It was so miserable. I remember it was that mindificio. game. It was so hard. I almost cried when first blood came in. I was so happy. So yeah, that's my that was worst meta and worst team to cast. I don't know.
1: This meta is really hard to cast for a color caster.
0: Yeah, it's, just, it's really good for a play so by play though. He's great for a play by play. So much action. But the
1: color caster, like for all of the complexities that are happening on the map or are happening in these team fights, you don't get time to talk about it. Vedius, Ender, and I walk off of every single stage, and we now have a method that when you're casting a G two game. There's no analysis. You can't. You don't have time. It's kill, 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 play, kill, like, kill. This is
0: why it was good. This is who played it well or didn't play it well. Let's see what happens next. Yep. You do not get to get ahead of the action. That's
1: basically what happens. Okay. Uh, do you think that the package into the fountain in Game 2 from Rogue sealed the deal for them by Henry, uh, Henrique Femurria? It's going to show up
0: on the screen. I think Phil's going to hit them all in mm, Phil.
1: To be know. fair, it's also kind of pixelated.
0: Yeah. I Anyway, this person... Whoever you are, shout out to you for asking this question. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that Absolutely. doomed it. Like, Larson single-handedly um, lost them that game. Won't say single-handedly lost them that series, obviously, because um, there's a lot more opportunities to win there, but that was a catastrophic misplay. Yeah. Just, like, really sucks for him. Okay, we got, like, a... one more question. Do we? Oh, yeah, and then we got to talk about Athens. Yeah. Just,
1: Do you want to get it?
0: I don't know. Do you want a meme one or do you want a real question? Just
1: go, reach in there.
0: I'm just going to grab a bunch and find meme questions. Heard
1: too. that Frosk is the one allowed to call you Sifa still. How do you like your duo? How do you brand it Froskos, Draykirin? How does it compare to the likes of MediVedi and De fish Fro- De fish Shot? So this is the one I have. Okay, If you that's find good. one that's No, no, better, no. I got
0: meme ones to follow up with. One or two meme ones.
1: It Henry K That's what it says. Sorry, um, this question. is I'm my opinion shot. of the caster duo. Um... Dracos has the exceptional ability that he works really well in conversational moments, which don't say a word until I'm done. Which is quite rare for a play-by-play caster. Usually, the technique that we praise play-by-play casters with is their ability to like hype and scream and have great team fight calls. Not that Draco's doesn't have those, but it's normally not conversational downtime. Um, because he used to be a color caster, he's also quite color affluent. So you can like the high in Draco's cast is that if you pair him with like two extremely like very fixated micro or um, macro color casters. And then he's able to like active listen, bounce with them. You get like this great analysis where everyone is contributing. Then a team fight rocks up and he does his rap god thing and he like has really witty one-liners about the language that he uses rather than relying on volume or um, like to create hype. And so I think the high end for, like, a Dracos Frost cast is that you're probably going to get a very different vibe in terms of downtime, relaxed fill, very sarcastic with a lot of, like, individual Mm -hmm. one-liners. But you will probably be missing some of, like, the higher hype moments. And it's not necessarily always on Dracos. It's also on me there that, like, a Medi-Vedi cast can provide because Medic and Vettius can just get really high.
0: Really loud. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think that, like, one of the things that we always do is like we just talk a lot about the game outside of the game, right? And not as like a you teaching me aspect, but as like a discussion like, aspect. Very discussion. So I think that translates well into our cast. And I think that like obviously you have a really good sense for a game, and you have a really good sense for for like the big picture storylines and for like the moments that really matter uh, in the scheme of of sports narrative. So like I think our duo is still definitely a work in progress. But I think that like and we're not quick shot deficio level yet, um, and we're probably not medivetti level yet in terms of comfort. But like. For our first year, we're doing pretty good. And I think our, our history definitely has, like, carried us to a certain degree. But I think now that we're actually starting to, like, work on it and look at it as a duo, I think, like, get ready for 2020, folks. Because that 2020 is the year of Drake screwing. I don't know. We need the to best do friends name. cast. Best friend, mom and dad. I think mom and it was dad. the publicly voted poll. It's the mom and dad cast. Get ready, guys. Get ready to be told it's your bedtime. Get ready to be asked if you can pause your game because it's time for dinner. And you have to say no. It's multiplayer, mom.
1: I thought my mom was actually going to beat me one time. <laughs> <laughs> Dare now, but mom, I can't pause it. It's my a mom live mom game. My mom
0: accepted the concept, so I abused it and I was playing single player games. I was like, mom, I can't pause it. She I, figured it I, out. And, yeah, and then she just didn't care. She's like, I'm sorry. You just need to not play a game this close to dinner. And I was like, damn. And then she started unplugging the router and I, I lost.
1: I grew up in the era of the 90s where it was like the wooden spoon.
0: Oh, yeah. That's not an era thing, dude. That's a household <laughs> thing. <laughs> but all right. Good to know. All right. Um, quick fire questions and then we'll talk about Athens. Uh, what's the best thing or something you're proud of about NA and or the dive from T-Bone Otter?
1: I think Azale. I uh, really love working with Isaac. He thinks about the game completely different. I think that he's wrong majority of the time, but it's fine because he thinks that I'm wrong majority of the time and you can view the game differently. Very different perspective. Uh, Super fun to work with. Um, And I think when he took over from the dive and his casting in general, just the influence that he's had on the LCS team, I think Azale's great. He's my favorite aspect of that. Kobe's super technically easy to cast with. Probably one of the best technical casters in the world. So easy to cast with Kobe. Yeah,
0: and I agree. Uh, Azale is a pleasure to work with. Super down to Earth, super grounded. You know, you're good to him, he'll be good to you. It's just like a very nice colleague to have. I look forward to working with him at international events. Uh additionally, NA Hydro is just still awesome. I think NA has nailed something that our video team is is also like just now starting to get better at and has like recognized as, as a point where like they can really step it up. Cause I think our video team is like really insane in a lot of things. But one thing that NA does better is, like, their use of music. And not just, like, that they picked NF, that they edit their videos around a song. And, like, that is really cool to me, and I think that's really a strong point. I really loved their smoke trailer. I still like ours more, but I really thought theirs was cool. Um and Jane of which skits slash vid was the most fun for you to film? Not the Athens one, probably.
1: I really enjoyed doing the Splice one. I thought that was fun. The Splice guys were... Gave it a lot more than I thought they would. Yeah. You always, you never know what type of performance you're gonna get from the players if they've had like their weedies that morning or not. Yeah. Um, but they seem to be having fun with it.
0: Nice. Uh, yeah. For me, it was rap battle two. I had, like no idea what I was doing in like the first like two hours. So I was really uncomfortable. But then like one of the guys who was helping us out was like, "All right, you're gonna do what I do," and he just was like, "This is how you're gonna look hard AF," and he was just, he's just like. <laughs> It's just really funny. Yeah, I got like that. It was a really good time. It took like 12 hours. It was a miserably long shoot, but it was super fun. Will we finally get an LAC special with Appa and Lord Waffles? Message them both on Instagram and ask. I want to put dogs on our broadcast. Jad's dog got to be on broadcast within like two months of him getting a dog. I think it's time for dogs on broadcast. Let us know. Final thing, Athens. First up, Shalka versus Fanatic. We are a little over time here. We try to keep it to about an hour, so this is digestible for you guys on your commutes. But, um...
1: Why? Only an hour. Thorne does his podcast for five plus hours. No one
0: watches that. Like, we look at the numbers on how long people... People watch for 40 minutes to an hour, max, of things. Anyway. And maybe not true for Thorn. like, you Don't hardcore
1: know. fans that watch for four to five hours... Bless you. Yes, bless up.
0: Let's go. We'll talk to you for four hours sometime. We can stream or something. Um... Anyway, Athens. So, Shalka versus Fnatic. My initial impression is that people are already like, it's Fnatic versus G2 final, and like, there's a show match happening on the day before.
1: But have G2 wounded Fnatic. Is this like the gladiator, where you're about to send Fnatic into the Colosseum, but the Emperor has come up and already stabbed him, so he's bleeding out to death, and he is now going to be weaker for his opponents?
0: I think so, a little bit, yeah. I think that's an apt metaphor. Probably not like that bleedy, but... I don't know. Schalke struggled against Rogue, I think it's fair to say. Almost lost the series. Many would argue should have lost the series, which I think is fair, depending on your interpretation of the Larson package play. Um, I think
1: Schalke was better than Rogue in regular season, but Rogue was better than Schalke in playoffs, despite the fact that they lost that best of five.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I mean, at the end of the day, Schalke were the better team on the day, but if you look at, like, because they won, like, I still don't think that they were, like, like you don't walk away from that win, like, yeah, we're great. Like Odo obviously had a fantastic series. That was cool. I think the biggest strengths that Shaka showed is that like they could play through Odo and that Odo could show up when it matters because he was kind of a weak point in the regular season, for me at least. Um, but I'm not I'm not hugely confident in Shawka if Fnatic come into the series at the same level that they came into this G two series.
1: I just think the playstyle is a bad matchup for Splice and Shalke facing teams like Fnatic and G2 because they are so explosive into the early game. Um, Now, I will say that one of the advantages that Shalke has over Splice is that they will actually try to attack you in lane, specifically through their bot lane, Ignore and Upset, but you're versus Hilly and Reckless, so... Two of our best bot lanes going toe to toe. So even if it is a weaker Fnatic, I think by nature of play style, because Schalke like to revolve around like level six monster objective fights and have a typically slower pace of game, mm. that Fnatic will force Schalke to make more decisions. Shalka doesn't always make the correct decision, whereas I think Fnatic most of the time does and Fnatic should have a pretty easy series, especially if they played how they did against GT.
0: 2 You think like 60-40, 70-30?
1: Yeah, I would say probably a 70-30 to Fnatic.
0: Damn, that's pretty... I'm going to go 60-40, but that's because I'm on the train that Fnatic may have mental boon. Once again, don't know. I think it's a possibility. Not sure how it's going to work out. Hope oh, for Fnatic's sake and for both teams' sake that they both play their best because, like, series where you know your opponent's just running it down. I don't
1: even think Fnatic plan. have to play their best to beat Schalke. I think Ooh. it's that much of a stylistic mismatch. Like, Rogue play a faster pace style in that best of five. Like, obviously, if you look at the stats, Rogue do not play fast League of Legends, but your stats will reflect that when you're losing majority of your series in the regular split. But I think, naturally, um, Inspired likes to like, increased tempo of games, Broxa plays a similar jungle style and mm. can influence Trick that much. So, again, stylistically, I think it's it's an unfair, it's bad matchup for Shaka. Yeah.
0: Agree. Um, that takes us to finals, which at this point seems to be very likely a G2 final. And folks, I want five games. I am even super okay for all the people who constantly uh, flame for G2 bias if Fnatic win. I want the better team on the day to win. But I am not confident that any team in our league can beat G2 in a best of five right now. I think the Fnatic best of five, for better or worse, showed us that like when G2 get going, you don't stop them. And the only way to stop them is like either A, make a game even more compelling than WoW Classic to the point where they literally don't practice at all. Because literally, there's no teams to scrim right now. So they probably got two scrim days and spent the other three days playing WoW. And I don't hold that against them because... No teams are scrimming right now. It gets harder and harder to get scrims, especially when there's only three teams remaining, right? I
1: think Um, what that best of five proved is that G2 will bend, but they will not break. Yeah. And that's what you want out of a top team.
0: So I want to see someone break G2, to be honest. I think it would be cool. Uh, But honestly, I I would not be surprised if we have a 3-0 final. I'm going to say five games. I'm
1: going to say 3-1, G2.
0: I'm going to say five games because also tickets are still available, I think, for Athens. Go buy some tickets.
1: Fnatic. 3-2,
0: Fnatic. <laughs> 3-2, Fnatic. Fnatic fans, you want a chance to shout in my face and say that I was completely wrong and the Fnatic or the you best team of all time. You could do that in Athens. You could do it in Athens. You'll see All teams. you have to Boots. do is buy a ticket. Show up, let us know. Um, it'll be chill. Actually, Athens is going to be dope. We're going to be flying out on Thursday to be there. Looking forward to seeing uh, all of the Greek League of Legends players, all the international fans who are going to come in for the event as well. Super right. hype.
1: Eat some delicious Greek food. I'm
0: vaguely Greek in my heritage in the sense that I have Greek blood, but was like... That's
1: the most American thing you've ever seen. Yeah, said. but
0: like, like most Americans are like German and Irish, but they like don't do anything German or Irish, right? So like most Caucasian Americans, I should say. Um So vaguely Greek, looking forward to meeting... Greek people and doing something Greek for the first time since my childhood, which would be hype.
1: I have a legal German last name, and anytime I have to use my passport anywhere or go to like the doctor's office, the Germans are always like, oh, you must speak German.
0: I look German, so it doesn't help. Yeah, but my last name, Dracos, Greek is hell, and it's the best part about me. So thank you, Greece. We're looking forward to being there. Otherwise, um, last thing that I totally forgot about, which, who's the third team that makes it to world?
1: The third team? Third
0: European team, assuming Fnatic and G2 are the first two. Origin. Gross.
1: I'm going to go with.
0: uh, Look at who's in
1: that bracket. Splice, chalka, and Orange. And you will hear my analysis on it when we come to the regional qualifiers.
0: Ooh, wow. Look at that. Giving you more reasons. Anyway, this has been uh, episode 12. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. There were a ton of them. Um, Sorry if we didn't get to answer your questions. We'll do more like this in the future. And uh, yeah, this has been season four, episode 12 of Euphoria. We'll talk to you guys next week.